Welcome to Discover Energy Work. I'm your host, Richard Wiggs, and today I'm with Hofan, and I'm really excited to be with Hofan. I'll give you a bit of an intro, although I expect she should probably improve my intro. But Hofan, I met her through um, Washan, a very kind, amazing, amazing, I want to say like saintly man, he's just amazing. Um, yeah, don't you think? And uh, <laughs> Hofa, yeah, of course, everyone. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we build up our our um, put our people on pedestals. But um, Hofan is a Wu style Tai Chi teacher, so she's a Sifu in Hong Kong. Um, she is a heart imagery teacher, which I think I'd like to know exactly what heart imagery mm. is. And she does hands-on healing. So, like, I'm thinking. I said to her, I said, like, why didn't I meet you when I was in Hong Kong? I'm really disappointed. <laughs> and I'm not disappointed. I'm, I'm thrilled that I finally met you. But um, mm. isn't it so funny? I, I think we're literally living like 100 meters, 200 yes. meters away from each other in Hong Kong. Yes, but yes, it's, yes. yeah, it's incredible. So how are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing really well, Richard. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. It's very exciting. Brilliant. Mm. So, um... Um, you know, the podcast is really about um, people's personal journeys and it's called Discover Energy Work. And, I, you know, what is energy? I mean, like everything's energy. So it's like discover anything could be. But sure. of course it's not because there's some sort of change that we experience of perception or, or mm-hmm. orientation in life that, oh, it's not just about these uh, material physical things there's something else um mm. and do you describe yourself as a taoist Tao, we follow the Tao. <laughs> the Tao that can be spoken is not the Tao, right <laughs> mm. exactly yes yeah, so that's why he called it the Tao because he said well I, there is no other word so i've got to call it something <laughs> it's like it's like he he was a bit yeah, in that right. way, he sort of gave up, didn't he? Do I f- yeah, I, I give up. I, I really do in that sense. But I, I do feel there is a sense of spirit, uh, whatever you call it. I don't think the name is very important. And it comes in many forms that we know and we encounter. And I've been lucky, I think. And uh, I think I'm quite Taoist in the sense that I feel like Taoists are quite connected to nature. And I feel like nature has been a big part of my life and has led me to these incredible openings through, mm. yeah. I've well, been to many places just because I've been attracted to, I find it a beautiful natural place or, yeah. So, uh, but today uh, what I wanted to share really were a couple of my, you can call spiritual openings or um, some experiences I've had that have really moved me and I think have become very strong reference points to my life. I think mm. and the first one I think happened when I was around 18. Um, I had just finished secondary school and um, I had been accepted into Oxford University to read uh, something. And, but I decided, you know, I've been studying in secondary school for so, so long and I, I just need a break. Right. right. So I, I imagine you were, yeah. you were working very, very hard. If you got an uh, entrance into Oxford, you must've been like, Really, I think I was a, I was a good student, and I spent a lot of time worrying about school because I think at that age, and when you're in the Hong Kong education system, they have a very narrowly defined idea of success, mm, right? True. So they're like, okay, and I think um, the exams are intense, 
And mm. in that sense, my life was quite boxed in. I was worrying about stuff, right? Uh, but mm. one thing I, that I did go to was a secondary school called United World College. And that was an eye-opening because it was full of very smart people, but they were from different countries. Half of them were directly from like Zimbabwe. My roommate was from Venezuela. Um, it's a boarding situation. So that opened my eyes. And they had something called an experience week where you go to go to do service somewhere. And mm. I went to this remote village in China, in northern Guangdong. And um, very rural place. At that time, we had no mobile phones and, you know, to, to call home, I had to go down to the post office, walk mm. like half an hour to the post office to mm. actually have a line line to call home at expensive prices, right? So there's very rural village, very simple. Um, the toilet was outdoors to have a shower. You had to, you know, use firewood to heat a big pot uh, mm. of water. Yeah. And um, so I, I went there to do service. I fell in love with that place. I fell in love with that place, not only for its people, but also uh, just the landscape was so, so beautiful. That, you know, mm. the earth was like, kind of like that rich yellow orchard, uh, red color. Mm. And there were pine trees. And the, the rocks and the mountains were, you know, the, the classical Chinese calligraphy mountains, right? Mm. The, the ones that go boom, boom, boom. Like the Guilin. Love that place. Mm. Yes, exactly. It's actually relatively close to Guilin, right? And so I decided this is where I want to spend a, a bit of time. Um, I can teach something. I didn't want to mess up their curriculum because uh, for them, the teachers get ranked and the school gets ranked on English, not even English, math, Chinese, and science, right? That were the main subjects. Mm. So I said, I'll teach art, I'll teach music you know, stuff that won't mess them up. <laughs> mm, mm. And I spent the great, better part of a year there. And it was such an eye-opening in that sense of really rearranging my priorities. Um, but one thing I do very remember, right, I, I think my rhythm slowed down because basically there was nothing to do, really. <laughs> there was so mm. much time. There was no internet, right? Mm. Um, and I would teach maybe two or three hours a day. And then once a week, I would walk down to the post office to call my parents. And that was it. Mm. <laughs> I tried farming for a little bit. I was not very successful because um, uh, I let the pigs in and they ate all my carrot tops. So all my carrots turned out to be tiny, tiny carrots. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, uh, I, I went out into nature a lot. And there was this beautiful valley. Uh, our school was on kind of like midway up a hill. Um, and at the valley, bottom of the valley, there was this huge rock. And I was fascinated by this rock. It was like almost a story high. So really, really big rock, like huge, huge, huge. Mm. And I, I, I wanted to climb it. I've grown up by the seaside. I loved climbing trees, everything. So I wanted to climb this rock. And I spent a few days trying to figure out how to get up there safely. Right. There's kind of a tree for part of it and then kind of grab. I love rock climbing. It's like problem solving. And so I climbed up to this rock in the basin of this huge valley. All these pine trees, they had this reforestation program. So there are all these pine trees just coming out. And it was just, wow. It's just so much sky. And um, <laughs> we're kind of speechless. Yeah. <laughs> we had a Tao that cannot be spoken. Yeah. 
but I think the best way to describe it was I felt so small, like so much part of the fabric of the universe. And yet I felt so meaningful. Mm. Like I felt like, I think many years later when people asked me like, do you believe in God? I, I, I would answer them, I know God. I know there is a God. I, I can feel the meaning in this universe. And um, that feeling, of course, you know, I eventually got down from the rock and I went back and it was one of what they call it, maybe a peak experience, a gateway experience. But that, that feeling remained in me, I think, as a seed. And um, at that point, I had not really studied any, anything spiritual. I had not, you know, I hadn't even learned Tai Chi properly, nothing really. But uh, I think that experience moved me very much. And I, I really think planted the seed in me. And mm. much, much later, you know, when I started picking up all these other things in my 20s, um, I, I think it also gave me a sense that, I don't know, my life had been, <laughs> if that makes sense, beyond all the material pursuits uh, or, yeah, or my narrow like, definition of success. I kind of want to... That's sort of what I want to ask you is, is like mm. once you'd gone into this sublime mm. experience of, of mm. knowing God, knowing the universe, knowing mm. how insignificant you are and, and mm. yet significant. And um, um, did you come down with different values or did you notice yourself change? after that do you remember i i felt like the whole gap year was quite a life-changing experience in the sense it made me really question very basic things so you know here was i so worried about school and exams blah blah and then you know these kids they don't even have money to go to secondary school mm. so i did what was obvious to me was like okay i need to set up a fund to help them but um but I saw how happy they were. And it was, it was a part of development. The village has developed now, but when I was there, everyone was poor, basically. So there was not much comparison. Everyone was happy, with mm. not very much. And I was like, oh, wow. And it, it screwed with my mind a little bit because I'm like, oh, wow. Like, if a couple of my friends go to a movie, then that's the salary, that's the, the whole month's salary for one of their teachers. Yeah. Like, how, how do you reconcile this kind of mm. weird <laughs> calculation, right? Mm. So I think in that sense, it gave me a lot of joy there. And I think that sense of joy throughout the whole year, um, I could really feel when I got back to Hong Kong, I suddenly was in a different sense of time. And so I think I felt I had a reference point. Things gradually fade. Oh, I did. Mm, I don't know when that decision came, but I actually didn't go to end up going to Oxford. I went to Swarthmore College in the States, partly because I felt, oh, there's so much I want to learn. And in, in the English system, they make you choose your subject very early, right? You need mm. to major in something. And I was like, oh, no, the world is too big. <laughs> I'm that, not ready to specialize of, yet. That's kind of super. I mean, that's kind of special, isn't it? Um, because I feel yeah. like that, that's... I a, think you've I given up your... Wonder. Sorry? 
I, no, I, I often wonder, like, if I had gone that path, down that path, I'd probably end up management consulting and doing something very boring. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, it's I, like a choice I, for I joy, want... isn't it? It's like a choice for a choice yeah. for more freedom in a way. That's what I feel like after that year. Yeah. It's like oh, I'm worrying about, I'm worrying about yeah. the small stuff, and it's the big stuff yes. I need to worry about. I really think that. Mm, and uh, I really think it, yeah, it, it was like, okay, all the small stuff that I was worrying about, it really is not that important. Mm. And I really got that very strong sense. Mm. So, I, yeah, I ended up going to the States. I fell in love because we had to take, you know, some kind of physical education. I took up dance again, which I hadn't done since I was six. And um, there was this Polish choreographer and his choreography was really, really hard. Like... After the first class, I think half of the people quit because um, it was that hard. But, uh, and I had no real dance background, and, but I was so fascinated that I was like, I want to do this. This is so beautiful. I want to try it. And then I took the semester. Uh, he was a visiting professor. And then I f basically followed him back to Poland to do a, a whole year of, um, of study with his dance theater company in Poland. Um, so that was another fun experience. Um, wow! What, what was? I yeah, mean, and what was and so, because of so complicated? What was? I mean, I'm curious. Like, was it just like was it nuance of of how you move the body, or was it just really like a combination of moves that were just almost just too much I for feel, the body? Mm, it's kind of like a kind of magician's trick, in the sense that. He would, he would, um, his, his dance came from Hasidic Jewish roots. Um, so there were, it was very much about connecting heaven and earth. This is very Tai Chi, by the way. Um, yeah, of course. Connecting heaven and earth and the struggle. But I think what's different is the dance is about the struggle between heaven and earth. Mm. And he would use different parts of his bodies. So Tai Chi is very unified in many ways. But this was, mm. he would separate like different body parts and they would always have a conversation with each other. So in a way, you were splitting your consciousness into different parts. <laughs> and, mm. But for the audience, it's fascinating because it's like, you know, something happens here and then there's an echo there. And, and doing it was so fun because there was a kind of logic. Like, it would look amazing from the outside, but when you did it, you're like, oh, this happened. I'm on the floor and flipped up. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but right. I, I think what was so hard in the beginning was... Um, I guess learning any kind of new dance or any kind of new movement has its own logic, it has its own laws, right? And you're trying to figure out. And he would do, he would like to put his dances in the place of not knowing. So he would always make it just a little harder and impossible for everyone to do, right? So everyone would always be playing catch up to his choreography, like all the mm. dances. And he would like doing that uh, partly to keep the dances in this psychologically unsafe kind of like ah kind of uh, off balance right which is dramatically very interesting um mm. yeah so yeah like yeah, beginner's um, mind isn't it you stay fresh because you yes, never actually always, know always, that's beautiful always, always. oh i'd love to yeah. see that you have to send me some links yeah oh it's yeah i, I definitely do that and his and his book is very dreamlike i was like oh wow this is a language i understand like i mm. You, you know, dance is just, his dances are like dreamscapes. 
And I'm like, okay, there's so many art forms. And this is one that speaks to me. Like, I think like this. I think in metaphors. I think in dreams. And so this is a language I understand. And I was like, I was like oh, this is fun. And partly because of that, I ended up doing Tai Chi because I came back to Hong Kong. And I, I trained under this Polish contemporary dance system. And there was no one in Hong Kong who taught it. So it's like, you know, you learn the cello and everyone, you know, you're back and everyone's just playing woodwinds. And you're like, ah! Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, cello you learn the cello and right? there isn't an orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, oh, yes, it's just like gutsang, like the pipa, right? So you're like, oh. ah! So, but I definitely wanted to keep in touch with my body and that's how I ended up going back to my Tai Chi Sifu. I had learned like two, oh, few weeks of Tai Chi when I was nine and I had no patience at that age, at that young age, just stuck with. So that's how I ended up with Tai Chi. But uh, Mm. I think in my twenties, I had a lot of experiences, which were like, I I started doing hands-on healing. I started doing Tai Chi. And um, was it hands-on healing and Tai Chi at the same time or did something happen? I'm curious about... Actually, nothing happened. It was quite mundane. Or This is the interesting part. This is the mundane part. Like, I think when we talk about spiritual experiences, they are those amazing peak experiences. But then they're also the ones that accumulate slowly. And then it's only much later when you suddenly, like, I remember doing Tai Chi and then, you know, there's this bright light happening on my forehead. What the hell is this, right? And then much later, you know, I learned, okay, this is your third eye. I'm like, oh, okay, it's my third eye. That, that was it, right? Right. <laughs> um, so uh, hands-on healing, I had just gotten into just because my family, uh, my father teaches hands-on healing and he had this community center. So I just went along and I enjoyed the atmosphere. I was at that point teaching English um, in the tutoring center. Very boring. Um, but uh oh and but the interesting part was i started doing theater work so my main work my main focus in my life was at the theater acting directing um dancing um but uh every thursday i would go and do hands-on healing just because it was such a nice calm atmosphere it's just like Mm. you space out and you just connect to the person in front of you and the whole room and it was just i don't even know why I kept going back, but it just was so peaceful. So I was like, okay, mm. I'll, I'll go back. And then they, at, in the evenings, they would have something called Zen dinners, so, uh, which has nothing really to do with Zen other than the fact that it's mindful eating. I was going to say, Zen dinner can mean you eat nothing. <laughs> Sorry. That... Emptiness, right? Yeah. Empty bowl. <laughs> yeah, there you are. Everyone's got yeah, an empty but, uh, bowl. Yes. Um, but uh, so I would cook for like... 40, 50 people. So I got very good at cooking. And my Tai Chi Sifu was hosting these hands-on healing sessions. Oh. And also he would be, he's a chef. So, he, you know, he would teach me how to, you know, use a knife and how to, you know, you have to cut along the grain of the chop, cutting, uh, chopping board and not against it, you know, stuff mm. like that. So mm. I learned a lot of very hands-on stuff there. Mm. Right. And oh. then... Oddly enough, my second experience, my second, you know, mm-hmm. mind-blowing experience came when I gave up theatre, right? Um, at some point, I had gotten into a rut. Uh, you know, you, you get relatively okay, moderately successful at a profession, you get a lot of jobs, and then you get also jobs that you, um, 
because people know you and you kind of like the people and you kind of like the topic, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Mm. You're floating around. And I was like, okay, I, I'm tired of doing projects, which I'm, I only like about 50 or 60%. Yeah. I really want to aim. I want to do something that's 90% satisfying, right? For me. Um, so I said, I will not take any theater job unless it's 90, at least 90% satisfying mm. uh, at the get go. Mm. So basically they started dropping off. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's quite rare, I think. Mm. Um, and I just stopped doing theater for a while. And oddly enough, when you stop, when you're ready to let go, um, you have space when you throw the stuff out of your bowl your bowl is ready for new things to arrive right mm. and uh at, it was at that point i met uh another teacher of mine called daniel mitchell um, from the school of the heart who teaches heart imagery meditation mm. and um yeah i went to one of his workshops it was called awakening the illuminated heart I went in with no expectation whatsoever, just because I, I went because my flatmate said, oh, it's a great thing. You should try it. Mm. Um, this teacher is from abroad. It's kind of cool. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll go. Right. And um, that workshop had a number of opening experiences. Um, and they were talking gobbledygook to me. Like I had some friends who were into human design, into um, what we call um, in, in Cantonese, it's called a wee wang, like the stuff that's like ah. a bit woo woo, yeah, <laughs> yeah, woo yeah, woo woo, right? <laughs> yes, no, wee wang. <laughs> so, um, so in the workshop, they, they're like, call your angel, just one of them, you have two at least, uh, but call one of them. I'm like, what angel, <laughs> right? right. And I like, just call uh, the teacher's like, just call the angel. I'm like, okay, fine, angel, pretty much like that, right? <laughs> it's like, please come. <laughs> Right. Then you know what happened? I started crying. <laughs> I felt this presence in front of me. I was like, oh my God, there's something there. I don't see anything. I'm not a particularly visual person. Mm. Um, but I could feel this presence. And then uh, they asked the angel to merge with you. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is like, oh. And then the funniest thing was, um, I was like, well, this can, you know, when you're with a great teacher and the atmosphere is so charged and great, of course, you know, you can have crazy experiences. So I tried it later, much later in Chiang Mai, actually, uh, when I had some time, I was like, let me try again. <laughs> it's like, at that point I was like, okay, um, let me call Raphael, angel of healing. Raphael, come. And I started crying again. <laughs> wow. So I was, uh, at that point I was like, okay, uh, there are angels in my life, right? Um, but actually, that, that is an experience uh, I want to talk about. I, I think that that, you know, because you'd really developed your body feeling that you mm. were able to feel it, like this whole pathway yeah. of developing like a nuanced sense of body, then you, mm. you really feel space. Do you know what yes. I mean? And then when it arrived, you're like, so. oh, wow, it's totally there. Yeah. But some people, like, they really don't develop that, that aspect mm. of themselves at all. Um, and then they, they can't feel it, but they develop something else. But um, I, yeah, I that's beautiful. That when, because I teach heart imagery, um, many people think imagery is a visualization. And then many people have ideas of what it means to see something inside. Right. And f some people are really visual and they get lots of visuals, colors, v like vivid detail. 
Mm. And then other people, about half of people at least, are, are kinesthetic or have another developed inner sense. So it's actually quite important to recognize which is your dominant sense mm. um, and not compare yourself to the person next to you. Exactly. Because your doorway will be different, right? Mm. And I think a lot of people also have the expectation that their inner world will look like what it's like on the outside. And it's not because our, our human senses actually are very small range. Like dogs can hear pitches much higher than us. Um, we, mm. you know, bees can see infrared. Like, so when we think of using our own sensory system uh, in our physical body to contact this mysterious world, um, we all often limit ourselves by ideas of what it should be like. Mm. Right? And I think that makes people not open when in meditation, whatever. And so in my, when I teach meditation, I'm like, okay, just whatever you feel is good, whatever you see is good, mm. and you will find your own unique doorway. And mm. the interesting thing is all your other senses will start developing. So I started, you know, I didn't have any visuals at all. And then I number, you know, as I'm consistently meditated, I started, you know, being able to tap into different visual senses and i'm like oh, okay there's not just one visual sense actually the number of different visual modes mm. um there's the when you close your eyes sometimes you know you get the green or purple light right so there's that which you can actually see and then there's kind of like a holographic one and then there's oh there's just so many right and you're like oh well there, actually there are so many but uh, if you can so dream when did you start to realize that there's so many different mm. senses like mm. you know that must have been didn't that shake your world like, oh, wait a minute, you know, the world is not what I think it is. Or, or are you kind of like enough in the flow? Because I think I would have been, you know, oh, what? In fact, I think I, I, think I was. That me, was my experience. I was like, oh, better not yes. tell anybody. I, I feel a bit nuts. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because I, I, this, the development of these senses happened over a gradual period of time. So it's like, okay, I have a light here, but you know, I don't have any reference point. So I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> right? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Right. <laughs> feel like a Dalek. Like, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> 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 yeah. like, I wasn't freaked out. I wasn't, it was just like, okay, well, you know, it happens. Right. And I think cause I was in the theater, I was used to quite extreme experiences, right? Sometimes, you know, your body is in extreme state, your emotions are extreme state and thing, you know, you get stuff. And so, or you feel the energy flow of between different actors and so on, uh, or the audience. So having weird experience, I, I think I have a capacity for weird experiences. Um, I, yeah, you know, I've, I've been thinking about that because when I was, when I was a kid, I did amateur dramatics and I, don't, I think mm. actors, one of their biggest assets is a sense of self, a very stable sense mm. of self because they use the self that is, you know, they portray another <laughs> self. Yeah. So they need to be able to return to the, the stable sense of self. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing, okay. That you had a really stable sense of self. You like, it's okay. Okay. This is another part of me. That's fine. No problem. Not, Oh wow. You know, this destabilizes me. Yeah. Do, do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I know what you mean. Um, Just an idea. Yeah. I think in that sense, it, it's kind of interesting to be an actor because you have, you have this fluidity and overlapping with you and your character. 
and then sometimes, a, you know, the character feels very real and you identify parts of the characters and sometimes it takes a while to shake it off or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree what you mean. And I think it's also very helpful because you allow, I, I think I fell in love with drama partly because it allowed me to, in a very safe way to explore different aspects of myself. Like when I was a secondary school kid, I wonder, you know, there was this unit called running away from home. And I loved that unit because, you know, in real life, if you run away from home, there are consequences, right? But Mm. in this very make-believe place, I could explore Mm. all this and, you know, and come out of it and still have, you know, (laughs) in my real life, parents would not know anything about it. And I would resolve psychologically whatever I needed to express, right? Um, So I think... My, my love for drama is really a chasing addiction in some ways to all these experiences. I, you can kill someone, you can have affairs, you can whatever, right? And mm. you can explore the whole range and still be socially acceptable and not psychopathic. Right, right. right. So, so well, true. Uh, a, a drama. Like, uh, body, like physical healers, hands-on healers, we're taboo breakers because mm. we're not in normal society. We're not supposed to touch people wherever. Right. Yeah, um, yes. and, and just touching somebody, you know, if you just when you met somebody, you very quickly touch them, it's already a big mm. red light. And uh, yes. in the same way, to be somebody else, to pretend to be somebody else, is mm. absolutely a taboo. Um, yes. But actors are, are taboo breakers. They are absolute. That is their mm. job to be somebody else. That is their job yes. to um, break. Um, it's like art, you know. Well, it is art, obviously. Um, yeah. And of course, art is is the portal to spirit. Anyway, so yeah. Sorry, um, they, they come out. I, I think I threw. It sort of spontaneously bubbled out. But I think I'm. I think when I'm talking no, to you, things beautiful. are going to spontaneously bubble out because she's just of like. Of course, I mean that's that, that's the purpose of a dialogue, right? Well, I, hope I, so. I want to tell you, uh, I took on this role, which was um, a woman with multiple personalities. So I did a lot of research about these people with multiple personalities. Mm. And what's very interesting, I think for you, us as healers, is that I discover that when someone has a total belief, you know, you're one personality, it can actually have physical, you, they have physical changes. Like one personality can have diabetes and need, you know, insulin. And then another personality will have, I don't know, uh, allergies, for example. And then, you know, just through a switch in the brain, it could, you could just have totally different physical ailments or, and habits and beliefs and whatever, or skills even, languages. And I think that blew my mind in a sense. I'm like, oh, wow, we are much more fluid than we think. Well, right? So, it so comes so down l- to l- a... I'm sorry, I'm all excited. Um, so... It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like when you think of multiple personality, because you and I, we've Mm. both experienced, which not everybody has, we've experienced consciousness Mm. outside the body. So a a consciousness outside the body, Mm. which is not embodied. So of course, you know, you're a consciousness with a body outside the body, my body, but, Mm. but, um, so you, you will have experienced that. And then we've also experienced probably at some point, another consciousness coming inside the body and going, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and of course we have people that channel that they're actually actively right, or yes. mediums are actively yes. doing this. Yes. But um, yeah. So I'm thinking I was 
sort of curious. So did you have the multiple personality role after you'd had the heart imagery, uh, angel experience okay, so. or because that would make sense. I could see like, or, but mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense both ways. Cause you are starting to see mm. a, uh, a multiple, um, mm. dimension to consciousness. As, right. as in like lots of consciousnesses? Yeah. I think, hmm. I think I have a relatively stable sense of self, as you say, because <laughs> I think you would go crazy if you did. I think, I um, think you do. I really do. Yeah. Um, and, but a certain openness to experience. My experiences... Um, I've taken ayahuasca, you know, plant medicine. I've had meditations where, and actually, I, I don't think the out-of-body experience is as weird as I, as people say, in the sense that I think very often when people come back from dreams, sometimes you feel yourself settling more and more in your body, right? Mm. And so when we wake up, sometimes there's a sense of like, where am I? Uh huh. Oh, oh yeah, and that, the personality coming back. Yeah. So. I think it's actually less, it's more common than, than, it sounds very strange to have, you know, and sometimes when you have a very sudden experience jumping out, then it's scary, right? But I actually think it's very familiar to us as human beings. Yes, I, so. I mean, I'd agree. I mean, uh, you know, my, yeah. my psychology thesis, uh, mm. as, you know, when, when I studied psychology, was about we haven't properly defined the self like we we have so mm-hmm. much evidence that the self is actually way different in that you can do mm. the rubber hand experiment which is mm. somebody puts a rubber oh, hand yeah, in I front of one. you hides your hand but, and then and they they throw a little bit of sleight of brain it's not really sleight of hand they they stroke yeah. the rubber hand and stroke your your the hand you can't yeah, see yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you get the feeling uh, that it's actually yes. It's your hand. And they did this in virtual right. reality and put you across right. the other side of the room. Oh, wow. And I said, well, you know, that's not possible if the self is so, uh, you know, I say incarnate. The right. self is also, yes. and there's lots of evidence that the self is a multiple, is a multiple or, or right. is outside the body or that there's a collective self. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Again, going back to the fact that we define self by mm. senses, and we haven't really, yes. we don't even know much about senses or consciousness. So it's like, yeah, no. I think we need to go back and redefine yes. the self. Mm. There you are. So you've got a stable yes. self. Yes. I think you should be doing this, mm. Hofan, as well. But, uh, yeah, but I think what's interesting <laughs> about heart imagery was, okay, two things about heart imagery. First was, there are a lot of uh, visualization techniques or um, and... I think images is a very strong language to work with your subconscious, to work mm, with mm. parts of yourself. Like, for example, all our memories are encoded in images, um, like sensory images. Um, mm. You know, when we think about the future, we have visions, we have, you know, we have ideas that mm. are encoded in images. So our sense of self is very entwined with that idea of image. And there are actually a lot of systems out there, like neuro-linguistic programming, um, so hypnosis uses it, mm-hmm. you know, or even like performance, like for, for athletes, you know, they use visualization to enhance their performance. Mm. So there are a lot of ways in which images are very um, useful, you can say, in helping us you know, improve our lives. Mm. But what's very interesting about heart imagery is that the first thing you do in heart imagery is to go into the heart, 
And that is a very consistent and stable way to touch on that sense of unified consciousness, right? Mm. Which was, I was like, oh, wow, this is what, uh, this is home, which is similar to, but not exactly like that very first experience I had on that rock. Mm. But that sense of like, oh, wow, you're part of spirit, um, that sense of spirit. And I, what was amazing, first of all, I connected to Mother Earth, uh, this Mother Earth meditation. I was like, oh my God, there's so much love from Mother Earth. Mm. But I think what really attracted me also much later in heart imagery is that I, now I have a technique, a consistent practice where I can find my way back there. So it's one thing to have a peak experience, you know, like, wow, great, right? But there's another thing to find, and you're very lucky if you can find that practice where, okay, I know how to get back. I, like Hansel and Greta, I can follow the stones and go back home, mm. right? Um, so well, it's like a science of I consciousness. Think, if it's something you can repeat, you know, for exactly, yourself, right? it, you know, yes. then, and you, you, you've got a certain amount of, um, yeah, reliability. Right. Uh, in it then that's yes. brilliant that's fantastic that's brilliant and you start to be able to control your experience so even i i i took some plant medicine partly you know I, how i ended up there it's kind of interesting um i ended up in peru um in to take plant medicine partly because i i was enamored by the idea of uh, staying in a rainforest for 10 days you know in mm. a small hut by yourself right <laughs> And I was like, oh, this is so cool, the Amazon, right? And I went to the Amazon, it was so funny. Because um, I think Hong Kong, in terms of longitude and latitude, our distance from the equator is actually quite similar to the Amazon. So mm. I was like, hey, I know this tree. I've seen it in Hong Kong. <laughs> it's much bigger, right? So I'm like, yo. <laughs> home from home. Across the road. <laughs> <laughs> from home <laughs> to see a familiar tree, right? Uh, we were not in a very deep part of the Amazon. So, um, you know, uh, in primary school, when they teach you about rainforest, you know, they're like, it's very dark and very, I'm like, mm, well, <laughs> but anyway, um, it was 10 days. We took five, um, five ceremonies of ayahuasca. Um, and uh, it was very, very interesting too, because um, what had just happened was because I was flying across all the way across the other side of the world, I said, that's a huge carbon footprint. Right. So I can't just go there for, you know, a week. I need to make a meal out of this. So I think I, 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 I spent two months. I, you know, I went to the States. Uh, my mm. aunt there, uh, let's see what happened. Uh, I went to the States and then I went to Peru and then I traveled around Peru and then I ended up in the rainforest and then I, I tacked on some other parts after that too. Mm. But uh, yeah, what was very interesting was as I was flying to Peru, um my aunt oh no 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 i, I was in machu picchu and I, I joined this hike which is like five days you hike to machu picchu so i was in the mountains doing this crazy hike and i was cut off from civilization and when i came down from uh, ended up at machu picchu i'd heard that my aunt had gotten cancer i was like oh no this is terrible this is and this mm. is a aunt i love very much because um, I was in the theater so much, I would often stay at their house because um, mm. I was rehearsing so late and my house is like in the suburbs, like way out. And, you know, um, she, my grandma lived in that house and I would sleep with my grandma on the same bed. So, you know, this was an aunt that was like a second mother to me. Mm. And I had mm. learned she got cancer. I was like, oh no. 
And so they asked you to go into the ayahuasca ceremony with some intentions. And I was like, at that point, I was like, should I even go? Should I fly back? And my family was like, no, <laughs> don't fly back. It's not helpful. <laughs> like at this point, we don't know yet. So just go on your trip. Um, and uh, so one of the questions I asked was, what does healing mean in my life? Like, what does it, yeah, what does it mean? So that was my intention going into mm. the ceremonies. And in the ceremonies, um, I don't know if you've ever taken plant medicine, but uh, it was uh, so many experiences because we had five nights, right? Um, but wow. Again, one of the things I touched was that unified field. And it was very interesting because I got visuals this time for what I'd been sensing in hands-on healing. I was like, oh, wow, this is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. and, but also, I experienced what it feels like to have a, your form, a physical form dissolve mm. um, or the sensation of myself, Hofan, as a form dissolve. And the attachment I felt to the form and the pain, it, you know, you're like, ah, no, I don't mm. want myself to disappear, mm. right? Um, and also the experience of what it means to have my loved ones dissolve, right? Oh, mm. I, at that point, I was dating a much older man. So there was, you know, a great possibility he would leave before me. So I was like, okay. And I experienced, you know, what it would mean to have that form dissolve as well. And I really got a very strong sense that, um, at, you know, I, I got a sense that Mother Ayahuasca is basically telling me to understand healing, you need to understand death mm. and the transience of this self, this state. And I think since that experience, I've become a much more light, I think. I think... I think many of us who are called to healers, we've had experienced some kind of pain or trauma very often or difficulty mm. in life. That's how mm. we end, on, end up on a spiritual search for many of us. And for many of us, this turns into a great desire to help others in similar states, right? Mm. But I think from that experience, I could let go a lot more because I could really feel that, you know, we all have to die and there is a a time and place for everything mm. and it's not our you know as healers we have to learn when to step back and when to you know that respect the choices of a particular personality to take a certain path right of course we want them to stay with us of course we want them to heal get better be healthy but in the end health is a matter it's a very complex network of uh you know, our belief systems, our emotional, our mm. ancestral, mm. our communal self, you know, that is messing up the system. So on some mm. ways, there is some point where as a healer, you, know, you just have to surrender to, okay, this is what's going to happen. And I need to respect that. Uh, it's not my job in this sense, in, in particular cases, to interfere, not interfere, right? So, yeah, I think that experience taught me a lot about keeping things, you know, letting things be. So I think in that sense, I'm quite Taoist. In the sense, I've become much more, much more comfortable at uh, not intervening and just trusting in the process. And mm. I think this trust has to do with these experiences where I feel 
where I feel the universe, the benevolence, the compassion, the, mm. the joy, the bliss, the whatever of the universe, that, that love, that resonance of love. Mm. And That's from beautiful. this very safe place, um, Do, on, how, on the spiritual I... plane, we're already perfect. Mm. Yes, mm. yes. Mike, we, we have to, I, I want to invite you back. Because I just think it's so, I think we've got more things to chat about. Um, yes. But um, I'm sure that's enough to keep people going. <laughs> I, I think that's enough to keep people going. And I, but I have a question which I love to ask. It's like, what advice do you give to somebody who's, you know, looking um, to try and understand these things or having these experiences and wants to put them in some sort of um, context or some they need some sort of guidance or support or um do you have any advice oh, i would say learn to train your intuition as to what's i think we all have a type of inner guidance right mm. i think very often people want answers like capital a answers i want to understand the meaning of my life i want to know what i was put on earth to do Right. And I felt for me, it's some people know they're born with a talent and, you know, I'm, I'm my violin and I'm, you know, this is my talent and my service to the world. But mm. uh, many, for many seekers, the answer is not as obvious. Right. Mm. Um, sometimes your higher self will thank you. <laughs> they will t take you in one way and then, you know, oh, oh, it's a roller coaster. But I think what's important is I think we have an internal GPS that will tell you, okay, go, go five steps this way and then you go there. And uh, I think it's really trusting that internal GPS. And I think it's very important for people to develop a sense of like what it means to listen to that inner voice and to be able to distinguish the fake inner voice from the ego and the, the, the actual inner calling, right? Right. Um, so, I, so I feel like if you're able to develop the sense then I don't know, you automatically attract the right teachers, you will meet the right people, everything will fall into place, right? So it's mm. a matter of listening, learning how to listen to yourself. And I, I think one tip I would say is, for me, when that, that, inner, that inner voice is quite peaceful and quiet often. Like if I have a very strong urge to do something, I usually have to, you know, calm down, take a night's sleep. You know, I, my, my ego is quite emotion, like emotional and I know it's not good for right. me to make strong decisions in that state. Um, but if it is true, it will stay true. And my yes. higher self, my inner voice will keep, keep reminding me, right? Yes. You can leave it for a day. Don't mm. feel like you, you only have one opportunity. Like, let's say you have to make a big decision. Mm. Don't worry. If, if you mess up this decision, if it's true for you, it'll keep cropping up in your life. Mm. Another opportunity come and another opportunity. So I would be not afraid and just like develop that sense. Uh, that's that's what I would say. So I'm moved by your story and I hope that, um, I hope people are moved and uh, people can connect with you uh, through your website, which I'll share. Can you just give us the domain, what it's called? Yes. Yes, it's called wildheartrose.com. So just email me at info at wildheartrose.com. Yeah. Internationally, because I got listeners all over the world, they could just email you. Well, and write, 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 write an email to me, yes, and uh, I'll be there. So, thank you. Okay, thank you, Richard. And thank you for doing this. I'm sure it helps lots of people.
I consider it a great privilege um, interviewing people on uh, Discover Energy Work. And it was exactly the same way for Hofan. I really appreciate what she's done. I appreciate the energy work that she's discovered. So keep on listening to Discover Energy Work and subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the Facebook page and share with your friends. And remember to discover energy work. Have a great week.